are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Peacock. Thanks, everybody, for joining me on this Monday episode. This is a Rapid React episode, as we do on Mondays following the Sunday football games. Chargers beat the 49ers. They squeaked by with a victory in L.A. 29-27. to So I'm going to get into everything I saw on Sunday. We're going to hear from Kyle Shanahan. We're going to hear from George Kittle. I'm going to give you my takeaways from the game and give out a couple of game balls. At the end, I do want to remind everybody to subscribe, rate, review the show. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we are everywhere. You can find the podcast and other articles going up all the time at LockedOn49ers.com. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can get some mailbag questions in for me and Mr. Nick Winkler on the Winky Tuesday show coming up tomorrow or uh, the Fan Friday, the mailbag episode, the full mailbag episode that will probably be coming up on Friday's Podcast. You can also email the show, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. So Twitter, at BD Peacock, or email. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me and get involved in any of the LockedOn49ers mailbags. Well, let's start with Coach Shanahan. He was asked post-game about all the inconsistencies, especially with the defensive side of the ball. I think it was similar to the offense and the special teams, too. Um, you know, we have some, I mean, it's both sides. We had a number of three and outs, I thought, on defense. They got a score for us with the pick six. six. Started the first um, couple drives out playing at extremely high level. Um, on offense, it seemed like we had a number of three and outs, and then we had a number of drives where we just go right down the field extremely fast. So, um, you know, I think I think we're close. Uh, we, we got we got people that have the ability to do it, and we're showing times of that. But uh, we got to be a lot more consistent. It can't be hit or miss, and uh, I think it's been hit or miss on both sides. He of course gave the uh, we got to go watch the tape answer too, which you know I understand from his vantage point. But yeah, there's a ton of inconsistencies on the defensive side of the ball. You move the ball well, um, then you go three and out on the defensive side of the ball. They start off the game so good. The pick six, and the the team was on fire in that first drive on defense, first two drives on defense. It was like, okay, this is the 49ers defense. The all gas, no breaks. Ruben Foster running around making plays. The guy that you you were hoping to see this season and finally saw that Ruben Foster come out. Saw a little bit of it in his first game in week three, uh, but really more of it came out in the first half of this game, and then it just kind of disappeared again. And all of a sudden in the second half of that game, and even toward the end of the first half, the Chargers were just running down the field on that 49ers defense. So, And it was crazy because it was the first, uh, I think it was late in the third quarter, the 49ers got their first sack, uh, which was resulted with Sheldon Day. They got the sack, their first sack of the game, and their first three and out of the game since that second drive. It was only their second three and out of the game. So that entire, and then that was pretty much the end of their defense doing stopping them at all. It was like four straight scoring drives for the Chargers to get one three and out, and then the Chargers ran down again on them. So, the, the defense is really in a rough spot right now because they can't get after the quarterback. They're dinged up in the secondary, so it's hard for them to cover for very long. And if they can't tackle on top of that, then that's the trifecta of you can't stop anybody because if you can't get off the field on third downs, which they already have problems with, and then now their run defense, which is pretty good. It's been pretty good most of the year, but if you're not tackling people 
Uh, it doesn't matter if you get there if they're just running through tackles, and Melvin Gordon did that quite a bit. So a ton of inconsistency, both sides of the ball, and uh, there's if they want to compete the rest of the way, they've got to clean some of that stuff up. But there's also some good things to take away. Uh, they asked Coach Shanahan about how he felt about the play of C.J. Beathard. Uh, I thought he played well. You know, I mean, you know, we came up short there at the end. Um, you know, the last play was unfortunate. I wish we would have saw that and got rid of it. Um, but, you know, he, he gave us a chance to win today. Uh, played very tough, made some big plays, um, especially in some of the situations with some guys going in and out. He handled a lot of uh, adversity well and a little chaos with some of the injuries. Um, but I was, I was proud of how he played. Uh, he said something quickly there, and I agree with everything that Shanahan said about how C.J. Beathard played, and it was uh, it was a pretty good effort by Beathard. And I use the word effort because that's he was trying hard to win, man, and he was he was definitely giving him hell out there. But he said something there about seeing the blitz in that last play of the game, and it's funny because you could see blitz coming from a mile away, and there was going to be a guy who was coming unblocked. So. And by the way, Derwin James looks like the real deal at safety. He can come off the edge as a blitzer. Uh, he can be a box safety. He's got range to cover. So, yeah, they, they got a good one there. A steal at pick 17 overall in the draft in Derwin James. But back to uh, Shanahan and Beathard. One thing about Shanahan's offense is he puts a lot on the quarterback to see that, and he's got to make the throw. He's got to get rid of it. And so the quarterback is almost the last, the extra blocker there. And he added just a quick note about that play at the end of the presser. We just got five guys out, scat protection. Um, I think, you know, we, we got to see that he's blitzing and get rid of the ball. And that's not been C.J. Beathard's strong point. And so it's just hanging in there and taking hits. And, man, C.J. Beathard, I talked about it last week before the game. He's not going to last because he's too tough for his own good. And he hangs in the pocket all day long sometimes, um, making plays with his feet, running in, finding hits, you know, going for the first down, which you'd love. And it's fun to watch sometimes. You love the competitiveness, but he he takes too many hits. And we saw it happen last year. Got hit time after time, playing through injuries, and then finally he couldn't get up one time. And I thought that already happened in this game, but he just got the wind knocked out of him, ended up getting up, and so uh, and, and would finish the game. It was, it was very close to and, – and actually, if he would have gotten the first down, it would have been Nick Mullins in the game. But instead, they had to go for the field goal try because uh, they ruled that he did not get the first down, which I'm still not so sure about. Liked a lot of what I saw from C.J. Beathard. It was a gutty effort from him, a gritty effort as George Kittle, which who we'll hear from in a second. But it's tough, and it's tough right now for C.J. Beathard. We just mentioned that play. He's got to see it, got to get the ball out quicker. But who's he going to get the ball out to? There's not a lot of guys making plays on this team right now. And then the offensive line starts to get banged up. They uh, At different times, Richburg and McGlinchey left the game and came back in. Staley left the game and stayed out. And for him, it's an MRI. We'll find out Monday about that MRI. They don't expect it's an ACL, so it doesn't look to be a super serious injury for Joe Staley. Thank God. But, man, the team is super banged up right now. And the way Shanahan put it after the game, it's like they're going to struggle to find enough guys to suit up. Yeah, we're gonna have to look into all of it. You know, we've got it. I mean, we're banged up at O line, safety, um, receiver, quarterback. So um, it all plays out. But we're gonna try to get enough guys in there to play. It's crazy because I was thinking partially through that game. Okay, so Garoppolo's out. C.J. Beathard's in at quarterback. Richard Sherman's not playing because he's already hurt. Joe Staley leaves the game. And I was thinking, what's the difference between the 2018 49ers and the 2017 49ers all of a sudden? It's the same guys, just a lot of them have that extra year of experience. But they are thin, 
and they're lacking some some key ingredients to being a good football team. A lot of the the things that I think fans hoped the 49ers would become and develop into this season, I think even without Garopp or even with Garoppolo in there, they were going to be a little bit short with some playmakers on offense, with the pass rush especially on defense, the the secondary banged up and also not developing as quickly as you would hoped for some players. So it's going to be tough. And so for CJ Beathard to go in there with all of those things and the injuries to battle hard, keep the 49ers in it. The defense wasn't helping aside from the first couple of drives of the game. Uh, it was a pretty great effort by CJ Beathard, I thought, and it was stacked against him and he kept trying to make plays, kept trying to make plays and the 49ers did come up short. Okay. I want to hear from George Kittle in a minute. Some more takeaways from me about this game and then give out some game balls at the end of this rapid react podcast. But first, I got to tell you guys about my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you do, you got to check out my bookie. They've been in the business for years. Great reviews online. Their mobile site is a breeze to use. In-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Did you take the over on George Kittle's fantasy points? You should have. That's That was easy money. Come on. My bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate that offer. MyBookie online. Visit them today. MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. If you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., get that extra $25 cash. Promo code LOCKEDON25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner to take that extra money. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. George Kittle, pass-catching tight end extraordinaire, made the play of the game, almost made the play that reignited the 49ers. They were getting flat. They were not really moving the ball great. Uh, They were getting toasted on defense, and they were really... They needed something. They needed a spark. And that huge play, Beathard to Kittle, uh, was really big time and almost completely changed the the momentum in that game. And I think it did for a short bit. And the 49ers were very close to coming back and winning that game when it looked like they were pretty much gassed in the second half. Here's Kittle on how that play developed. Some we've been practicing all year. We finally got it called. Um, it's basically just kind of seam release. Uh, safety's playing on the opposite hash. Uh the guy drops me because he thinks I'm running vertical. Um, CJ finds me and, you know, got a good cut on the safety. He kind of stumbled and just got to run from there. And run from there he did, showing off his 4-5-2 speed. He pulled away, too, from the secondary. I was thinking, oh, man, they're going to run him down. No. <laughs> yeah, he, he, was just, he outran those dudes. Um, that was pretty impressive from George Kittle. And so he was heavily targeted in that game. He came down with, what, six catches for 125 yards. That long touchdown catch and run was 82 of those yards. He was targeted eight times, so he was targeted the most, had the most receptions for the 49ers in that game. Wasn't quite targeted as much as Keenan Allen. They just pump him over the middle all day long, don't they? Keenan Allen, uh, he's pretty good. He didn't really break anything. The 49ers were really good. I think that's one place they did do well was against Keenan Allen, tackling him after he was catching the ball over the middle. So props to those guys there for that. Um, 
and there was some mismatch plays there too with Keenan Allen, but um, and obviously Rivers missed him on that first drive horribly over his head, which led to the Antoine Exum. And man, that that was the the start for the 49ers to get that pick six, and then come out score, then force a three and out. I mean, the, when they had that 14-0 lead, it was it was like okay, this team is ready to come in here and win a game. This team is fired up and ready to play. And then all of a sudden they got flat quarters two, three, came a little bit back into the third quarter and into the fourth. But, yeah, just a little bit short there for the 49ers. Uh, speaking of George Kittle here, so he obviously played college ball with C.J. Beathard, so they do have a little bit of a rapport. They both went to Iowa, came out the same year. Here's Kittle on his buddy, C.J. Beathard. Most competitive people. He hates losing more than anybody that I know. Um, so... I mean, he played the game angry. I mean, that's just how he plays it, and it's awesome. I mean, I mean, I feel like he had definitely, um, yes, you could say he's a little bit more mature. If they, you know, we all are after getting a year under our belt, um, and you know, the guys responded to CJ being out there, and you know, I think we responded really well, and uh, you know, we're looking forward to having CJ, uh, you know, lead us from here on out. Plays angry. I love that. CJ Beathard does play angry. CJ Beathard was his his mentality and the way he. Thinks about the game, I think. Uh, I, he could be a safety. He could be like a strong safety if he was more athletic. I could see him being somebody that that teams tried to convert to the defensive side of the ball because he plays that way. He's not afraid of contact at all. He's definitely a tough guy. Uh, it's the first thing Kyle Shanahan said about C.J. Beathard when he drafted him. He was a tough guy, and uh, that stands out. And that gets a lot of respect from, from the locker room, and I think from fans. I mean, I don't know how you could watch that game and not be like, yeah, you know, Maybe he's not a tooled up, you know, gunslinger of a quarterback. Maybe he's he's not super athletic. Maybe he doesn't have a cannon arm. Maybe he doesn't throw darts like Jimmy Garoppolo. But it's hard to watch that game on Sunday and not come away impressed with C.J. Beathard as sort of the guy that's like, yeah, I, I just like the way he plays. A little bit of a backyard brand of football to him. He just is is out there, tough guy, playing ball, a little bit old school. Uh, he'll he'll run if he needs to. He'll try to run through you and over you if he has to. He wants to win. He wants to score. He wants that first down. And so it's fun to watch in that regard. And the, the fact that it was a close game and to see that style of his play with a close game and see the 49ers fight it out and everyone playing for C.J. Beathard, they've definitely rallied around him. And he's got that respect. And I think he's got a respect from a lot of fans too, uh, despite his his losing record. One and five is a starter now in the NFL. But um yeah, I think if if if, if C.J. Beathard plays like this and, and even starts to play a little bit better than this, I think you got to be okay with C.J. Beathard as the you know a backup for the 49ers. But you also have to be worried that that he is going to be the starter. You know, so it's like you go forward thinking, okay, is C.J. Beathard a solid backup, or do you want your backup to be someone that you're like, okay, we can still win with him. If he's the starter, and I'm I'm not sold on that part of C.J. Beathard yet. As much as you know, I enjoyed watching that game and enjoyed watching him play, and he made it competitive. I'm still not sure, and the 49ers don't have a ton of weapons to go around, so that hurts him as well. So we'll see. There's a, there's a huge portion of football here to go in 2018 to see what the 49ers have in C.J. Beathard. So a lot of development to happen here this season. A lot of players playing for their future jobs, and a, a lot of self-scouting to go for the 49ers. See see who who's on this roster for the long term. Who can the 49ers count on? Who maybe needs to be replaced? And so 
Uh, that's going to be an interesting storyline as the season goes on, even if the 49ers start to mount up a bunch of losses, which is very possible going forward. Uh, there's still some things to take away from the season, and one of those is C.J. Beathard, his development as a backup. Is he someone who could be a future starter for another team, or does he go in the tank and turns out to be like, yeah, okay, he's someone who needs to be even replaced as a backup for the 49ers. But as of now, I think C.J. Beathard gained a lot of fans on Sunday, and if the 49ers can stay competitive, hopefully be in a bunch more games and, and have some fun games and watch C.J. Beathard go out there and battle, I think uh, this season could have gone Worse directions if, if there's a lot of games like there was on Sunday, even if the 49ers aren't able to, to battle for the playoffs. And right now, you have to be realistic that they are not going to be there at the end of the year. And a quick shout out to Robbie Gold. Two for two on field goals. That leads to, what, 35 now straight? Team record, 35 straight field goals for Robbie Gold. When the 49ers get in range, at least they know they can count on getting three. And uh, it's been pretty important. To have a kicker that, that's that's nails like that, um, or it, well, it could have been a lot more important if the 49ers were kicking field goals to win the game instead of uh, just to to take a lead that ends up getting replaced uh, by the opposing team. But yeah, shout out you got got to give a little shout out to Robbie Gold for what uh, what he's been doing as as a solid kicker for the 49ers. Let's see what other notes do I have here. The 49ers put so much pressure. The defensive scheme puts a ton of pressure on the linebackers. So. Uh, I think going forward, one thing that will really help the defensive scheme is that those linebackers, Fred Warner and Reuben Foster, just playing next to each other, getting more reps together. Um, if the secondary could help, that would, that would be nice too. But so much pressure, so much range is needed for those linebackers. We see these guys covering players all over the field. The Austin Eckler touchdown, uh, I thought that was a DB that was actually covering him on that play. It was Fred Warner just looking fast and long and lean and, and trying to chase him down and make a play. And it was pretty good coverage that, I mean, that's about as good of coverage as you could ask for a linebacker to put on a really athletic running back coming out of the backfield. Just a tough situation for him to have to cover any number of things that the running back could be doing on a route out of the backfield. And to carry him down the field, it, you know, it, was, it ended up being a touchdown, but it's hard to fault Fred Warner on a play like that. And so right now it looks like Fred Warner and Reuben Foster are running around a little bit like a, like chickens with their heads cut off, kind of. You know, they're just running around manic and some, sometimes making plays, sometimes missing tackles. I think that'll slow down a little bit. I think that'll calm down to see those guys play next to each other because they, they physically have the gifts to do it. And I like a lot of what I'm seeing. I think they will sort of become more consistent with their tackling and just playing next to each other, the way they pass off receivers to each other and and everything that goes into this defensive scheme and all of the 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 weight that is put on their shoulders at the linebacker position and all the range that they have to cover, I think that'll start to clean up and, and I think that'll help. But obviously there's one major flaw right now as the roster is built and that's the lack of pass rush. That's not going to get any better as the season goes along and the 49ers are going to have a tough time getting off the field until they fix that. And if the 49ers go through another offseason and don't attack the the edge rusher position, the outside pass rush, then there's something majorly wrong going on because they've pretty much ignored it for the first two years of this regime. And it's one of the big head scratchers from the Lynch-Shanahan era so far is that they've really not tried to find uh, any really big-time edge pass rushers over the first two seasons unless you count them drafting Solomon Thomas, number three overall, uh, as that effort to try to do that and then I would that would be even worse because then I'd question their ability to scout because he was never that he wasn't that in college he wasn't going to be that guy he's just too tightly wound too stiff of a player 
He's more of an outside-in guy. Uh, they said, and they didn't really expect that when they drafted him. They talked about him doing the Michael Bennett role, which is kind of what we've seen. Instead, we've seen Eric Armstead playing that role this year, and that's where you're, uh, you know, you're in, on the end on running downs, and you you kick inside and you pass rush from the inside. You're a big end. Makes sense for Solomon Thomas, but they just have too many of those guys right now. Not enough guys with that bend, that um, that speed that ability to run the arc and really pressure the quarterback. And it's it's sorely lacking, and you can't have a really good defense without that. And the 49ers are seeing that right now. All right, let's move on to some game balls. We all love going out. We all love to go out and see our favorite band. We all love to go see the show. We all love to catch the 49ers game, right? With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. When I wanted to go down to Levi Stadium, say, let's go see this Lions game. Beep, boop. The Vivid Seats app is a super easy way to go. I will tell you momentarily about our special deal that, of course, we like to give through our sponsors to the Locked On 49ers listeners. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price, look for seats in a certain section or row of your choice. To make things even easier, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more, go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed 100% by a buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more for new customers of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. I've been asked a lot about the coaching and especially Robert Sala, but there's also been some questions about Kyle Shanahan and maybe he's taken on too much as the head coach, offensive coordinator. Does he need another person there, assistant head coach type? Uh, I, I wouldn't say he needs an offensive coordinator because you hired Shanahan because you want him to be the offensive coordinator and make play calls. What he might need is more administrative stuff, someone who does clock management, someone next to him, someone in the booth, someone just to take more pressure off of him in in-game situations or you know even throughout the week to, to help unburden him, to help him focus on the offense a little bit more. And um, as I did last week, I want to go to a tweet to my guy, Kruger, who was a wise fellow, and he talked about Shanahan's clock mismanagement in this game that it cost the Niners three points before the half. And he said this stuff is a common yet unforgivable by coaches. The three points Shanahan strategically gave up prior to the half, turns out those three points could have been the difference and were the difference in the game. So it's the little things, as Kruger points out. Injuries clearly an issue, but today it was also clock management, special teams coverage, and one key drop interception at the goal line and the blatant missed block in the back before the final L.A. field goal. So Kruger, I agree on all accounts. That block in the back happened right in front of the play as the play was developing in front of everybody. It was the most one of the most plainly and easy-to-see real-time blocks. A lot of times you'll see a flag on the play, and you don't realize what the block was until they go back and show the replay. That was real-time. It was like, that's an obvious block in the back. I can't believe they didn't get that call. But Kruger, I agree. I, I think that's one place that the coaching staff could help is Shanahan having just a dedicated clock management guy who's in his ear, who's right there game day to help him out. And maybe they do, maybe, or maybe they need a better one, you know, something like that. But those kind of things are huge. I mean, that's a three point swing in a game just by managing the clock a little bit better. 
So no, when people ask about if the 49ers should hire an offensive coordinator, no, that's exactly what I want Shanahan to be doing with most of his time is coordinating the offense. But could he hire maybe somebody to help some other administrative duties or some in-game stuff to unburden him? Absolutely. They should definitely look into that kind of thing. Uh, Let's get into the game balls here. And I think I I wanted to give a third game ball, but as the game went on, I found out my third game ball couldn't happen. I wanted to give the third game ball to Ruben Foster because he started out like a madman. The, The first half, he was all over the place. The first couple of series, he he borderline took over the game. But then things sort of petered out, as did the entire defense. And and I still think there's something to this. I don't know what it is because I, I think they they have enough players coming in and out and get breathers and they have a rotation on the defensive line. But early in games they're really fired up and they come out hot. And all four weeks now they've just been kind of dog tired. It really makes me think of the the mantra for Robert Sala is all gas, no brakes. But it just becomes straight gassed. And it's 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 happened too many times. And some of it is just the interplay with the offense not extending drives and then the defense can't, off, can't get off the field on third down. So the defense is just out there a lot. So that's part of it too. But I just wonder if there's something else there. I, I don't know. I'm still working that out. We have a whole season to figure this out, guys. So it might take some time. Robert Sala, um, I think he's losing his grip on some fans. Some fans are starting to really question if he's the right guy or question if the 49ers might need to look another direction. I'm not there yet, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching. I'm trying to figure out and put my finger on it, and hopefully later in the season I'll be able to articulate how I feel about the scheme and Robert Sala. Uh, right now the jury's out, but, uh, but uh, you know, I, I'm watching. But, man, the poor tackling, that's that's one huge mark right now on the coaching staff. And all these players, college coaches, because, to be honest, you get to the NFL, NFL coaches shouldn't be teaching tackling 101, right? That should have been done a long time ago. And I see a lot of these dudes in this game just leading with their shoulder, like not even looking at their target, and just it's bad form all around. And, and even some of the guys that come with their arms are just going for the ball. They're not going for the tackle. And when they do go for the tackle, maybe it's a little weak with the attempt or they're blowing right by the guy and not squaring him up. Bad angles. I don't know. There's, it's a combination of a lot of things that are leading to a ton of missed tackles, way too many missed tackles. They might be the worst tackling team in the league through four weeks in the NFL. So, Ruben, tighten it up. Consistency. Put a full game together. I know I'm going to be giving you some game balls this year. Not today. Sorry. I am, however, going to give a game ball to a pair of Iowa teammates. Uh, those are my two game balls today. One going to tight end George Kittle and the other going to quarterback C.J. Beathard. Kittle just Kittle's on pace right now for what is it seventy catches and like twelve hundred yards. Uh, the 49ers, I don't think have ever had a thousand yard receiving tight end. I know Vernon Davis is very close, nine hundred and sixty nine yards or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. I saw it pop on pop up on Twitter today. But George Kittle is really one of the few playmakers on this defense. He's someone that stresses or on this offense, someone that stresses opposing defenses and he can get down the seam um he can make plays after the catch like we saw today running away from defenders which was really impressive and so if he can stay healthy that's been kind of his problems getting dinged up and he took a couple big hits he trucked somebody today love the way he plays he's an all-around tight end he can block he can catch he can get open underneath he can hit the seam he can he can hit balls deep so he can spread the defense out make linebackers make safeties 
respect that ability and obviously make plays after the catch. So George Kittle, all-around tight end. Uh, I think the 49ers, I talked about self-scouting and, and looking forward. 49ers are fine with tight end one, I think, being George Kittle. I think they need to continue adding some depth to that position. They're a little bit old. Garrett Selleck was really, I mean, if George Kittle had the play of the day, Garrett Selleck had the worst play of the day. That ball clanking off his mitts and ended up being an interception that was returned a long way for a touchdown. It's a good throw by Beathard. Uh, nothing Beathard can do there. Beathard needed to get a little bit more help in this game from a lot of guys aside from George Kittle. So George Kittle gets my first game ball and his Iowa teammate and current 49ers teammate, quarterback C.J. Beathard. Gutsy effort, played his ass off in that game, wasn't able to get the win for it, but uh, the backyard brand of football, just fun watching him sort of go out there and try to make plays, uh, running over guys, doing everything he can to get to the first down marker, making some throws. Wasn't perfect. He did miss some throws, especially early. I think got better as the game went on. He missed a few throws early. He's not a beautiful thrower of the football. He's not a dart thrower like Jimmy Garoppolo. I mentioned that earlier. But he, he he played a fun brand of football. The, the game was fun to watch today. The 49ers were competitive. They played hard. They did not give up. And there were some fun things to take away from this game, one being C.J. Beathard at quarterback. He gets the second game ball. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On 49ers. Be back with a ton more thoughts about this game and thoughts about next week's game with Nick Winkler on the Winky Tuesday episode tomorrow. All right, uh, get those mailbag questions in to me at... BD Peacock on Twitter or email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. And I'll be back with you guys tomorrow right here on Locked On 49ers.